for you to just take a second and just pray on your own. Um, take a second and pray for the people who are sitting next to you. Same thing, okay? Is that we would just hear the words of God, that it would convict our hearts. Okay, Let's take a second and pray. Father, thank you. Thanks for letting us come here, and thanks for, God, you, you allow us to sing songs to you that, man, um, I don't even know if half the words we even can fathom the depth of these words, uh, Father, and uh, you are so mighty, you are so powerful, you are so strong. We, here on earth in this kind of shell of a body with our brains that we have, we can't even imagine your power, we can't even imagine your wisdom, God, we can't imagine your plan in its entirety, and God, we're so grateful that you, you gave us this book, this book of life, God, these 66 different books that you inspired to be put together, Father, that we would know you, um, and that, Father, we could love and see that, that, that you love us, that you're redeeming the world, you're reconciling the world to you, and Father, I just pray that we can go out and love uh, like you command us to, like you have shown us. Father, you have gone so much further than we would ever go, and uh, thank you for that. I pray that your Holy Spirit just uh, descends on us, Father, that your Holy Spirit convicts us, that, that we won't fight the conviction of your Holy Spirit as we read your word. Father, we love you, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, you can turn in your Bible over to Luke chapter 19. We're going to be digging right into this section right here, um, and again, hopefully, um, throughout the last few months, I, I do hope you've been reading your Bible, and I hope you've been interacting with people, friends, neighbors, brothers, sisters, from a standpoint of, first and foremost, challenging yourself to be saturated with the gospel, okay? But th- this may be the number one problem anywhere, is that people who are, who, who, who are coming to church, claiming to be Christians, who are not saturated in the gospel, like the, we might know the words of the gospel, we might know the information of the gospel, but that's very different than this, this saturation, yeah. that this gospel that's such great news, that it makes even our worst times on this planet, gives us hope for a better future, okay? It's not just information, because information doesn't change anything, okay? And it's not just blind optimism either okay it's not just to to reject no i'm not going to look at anything bad listen look around it's hard not to see bad stuff in our world man it's going to be really tough to follow jesus when we're unsaturated by the gospel because it just becomes this dreariness And, and i think you want to know what too many people equate christianity with just dead people all right, the, the gospel brings people to life, right? The gospel, the gospel calls us to follow Jesus. The gospel calls those who are following Jesus to come together and to love one another 
and to make other disciples. That's what all of this is. But you know what can even happen even through all of that? And, and every time I think of those four things, I think, wow, what an amazing plan. But it can become something we just try to achieve, if that makes sense. Okay, I want you to think about that. Is, is it's, you could take even the, the, the best parts of the Bible and we can still lose like the best parts of them because we can think, no, here's what I need to do. I need to achieve something in community. I need to achieve discipleship. I need to go and like, I've got to, to, to embrace this. Instead of going, hold on a minute. Do you see the cool thing about the gospel and discipleship and community and disciple making is it's Jesus. It's Jesus. That, that's the whole, it's not this thing of, okay, when I achieve it and I not just check the box, but you know, like I get the little star next to my name. Okay, I've achieved it. You know, I've got the badge or I've got something to it. I've achieved this now, okay? And that wasn't the purpose. The purpose is that we live in it, right? That it flows through us constantly. And you want to know what? That's a, life is kind of weird because there are times, I know many of you guys have been through those times where you just feel like the spirit is just flowing through you and it's the greatest thing in the world. And then there's that, that, like that desert experience where you're just like, we're just grasping for just some kind of life and some kind of, we're just grasping for it and we forget, man, this is what Jesus has given us his word for, all right? Not just so we can achieve something, but we can live in something, right? And so sometimes it's easy to forget. We can go, okay, what do I need to achieve today? We're going to read something right here that hopefully we'll, we'll, dig, we'll, we'll be able to kind of dig under the surface just a little bit here. Um, in Luke chapter 19, um, Jesus tells a parable. Um, here's the interesting thing about parables. Some people love them. So, some people love them. They're just like, they're the greatest things in the world. Okay? And some people hate them. And, and, and probably most people are right in between. Like, there's some that you love and some that you'll never read again because they're just too complicated. You're just like, I don't want to look at those. Those don't make any sense at all. Let me start out by saying this, but when we read this, here's what a parable isn't. Everything in a parable doesn't mean something. Okay, I'll just be very clear about that because I know we've all probably had quiet times where you think every single thing correlates to something, right? You're going, okay, this must mean this and this must mean that. No, 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 no. Listen, a parable is a great thing to sit back and go, and Jesus is just telling this story, but it isn't every single thing must mean something. Right. Here's the other part of a parable, and this may be a part that we don't even realize about the character of Jesus. Is as much as we want Jesus to make it super simple. Um, do you believe that there's a side of Jesus? That he's like, listen, if you want to know me, you're going to have to work a little bit. If you want to know me, you're going to have to think through this a little bit, okay? I know we want it all on a platter simply in, in less than, a, you know, three or four words that we can do all this. And it's so, and Jesus is going, no, I'm going to tell you some parables about me and my kingdom. And if you don't want to dig in, you're never going to know me. But you guys that want to dig in, boy, you're going to learn something that I, that it's just going to blow your mind, but it's going to take a little time. It's going to take a little effort. It's going to take a little energy. Okay. But everything, just keep in mind as you read this, everything doesn't mean something. Okay. Luke 19 verse 11. Uh, So Jesus, we just, as Luke is putting together his gospel, uh, Luke decided, okay, 
that after he wrote about Zacchaeus, that he was going to go ahead and put this parable in. Right? Keep in mind, Luke, Luke wasn't cramming. It's not like he was cramming for an exam. He wasn't going, oh, man, there's a paper due that Jesus has, and uh, i got to be done. i got to just throw things together. The gospel writers seemed to have like a, an issue where they were trying to select things to be in the places they are. All right? And you have Zacchaeus, uh, and, and if you guys remember that story, Zacchaeus was a little fella, right? And hated by his community. And rightfully so. If you know something about Zacchaeus, why would the people in his community not like him? Okay, but it's not a tax collector, but it's like, yeah, I know, we all complain around April because taxes are due. But no, 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 we're not talking about the IRS. Tell, tell me about this kind of tax collector. Right, so here would be the job. Let's say Liz is going to be our tax collector for the Clemson region. Okay, listen, right. So, so what, what the Empire, Roman Empire would say is, is okay, there's 10,000 people that live here. You've got to collect $100,000 worth of taxes. Your salary is whatever you collect above that. All right? And you have the power of the Roman Empire to get that money. How friendly do you think she comes up and she's like, hey, um, I need to collect your taxes. So here's, here's our taxes. And, and she's just like, um, no, no more. Like, I got to eat. Well, we don't have any more money. Well, is there something in here that I can take of yours? Can I take something? Can I just, you don't have to eat this week. Give me the money. Like, can you see why Zacchaeus would be so hated? All right? And then Zacchaeus was the guy that Jesus was like, come on down here, Zacchaeus. I want to be with you. Okay, if that isn't scandalous to you, you are missing the point of the story of Zacchaeus. Okay? Because in, in our world, we, we talk about fair and unfair. How unfair is it of Jesus to go into a town and he wants to hang out with the guy that's oppressing everyone else? They're going, Jesus, don't you care about us? He's the one that's been taken from us. He's the one, like, why are you hanging out with him? Right? And, and here's the truth that matters. Jesus has this way of just like revealing our hearts. Right? They, they weren't, it wasn't about Jesus. They had a certain way that Je- they wanted Jesus to be. And then when Jesus didn't turn out to be that way, they didn't like Jesus. All right? It, it was this, it, so this is what happened in, 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 in this little city, right? I mean, you have Zacchaeus. The people are like, man, I don't know about that Jesus guy. I mean, he just had the, the guy that's been stealing our money. He's gone and had a party with him. I don't know if I like that guy, okay? And then Luke inserts this, okay? And he says, as they were listening to this, Jesus said that, they went on a, that, that Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they thought the kingdom of God was going to appear right away, okay? So he's like, man, I need to take advantage of this time and tell you this story. And Jesus said, there was a nobleman traveling to a far country to receive for himself authority to be king and then return. And he called 10 of his slaves and he gave them 10 minus, okay? That's just a sum of money, okay? It's maybe a few months wages, I mean, whatever you you want to think that is. That's a few months' wages. And he told them, engage in business until I come back. But his subjects hated him. And they sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to rule over us. And at his return, having received the authority to be king, he summoned those slaves he had given the money to so he could find out how much they had made in business. 
The first came forward and said, Master, your mina has earned ten more. He said, well done, good slave, because you've been faithful in a very small matter. You have authority over ten towns. The second came and said, Master, your mina has made five more. So he said, you'll be over five towns. And another came and said, Master, here is your mina back. I've kept it hidden away in a cloth because I was afraid of you. You're a tough man. You collect what you didn't deposit and you reap what you didn't sow. He told him, okay, I'll judge you by what you said, you evil slave. If you knew I was a tough man collecting what I didn't deposit, reaping what I didn't sow, why didn't you put my money in the bank? And when I returned, I would have collected it with interest. So he said to those standing there, take that mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten. But they said, well, Master, he already has ten. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. The one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. But bring here these enemies of mine who did not want me to rule over them and slaughter them in my presence. That's a heavy story. Okay, that's not, that's not a teacher of the law saying, hey, I've just created this story. Let me go and give this lesson. This is, this is Jesus giving this lesson. These are the words of Jesus saying, listen, the people that didn't want me to rule over them, you bring them in here, we're going to slaughter them. What? That doesn't sound like, like Jesus, where's your lamb that you carry around? Like, where's, your, where, where's the New Testament Jesus? <laughs> right? What happened? Did he forget to have his quiet time this morning? Right? But we've got to, listen, man, we have got to start out here, okay, is... Um, as we said before, and I think, I think we all know this, this, this Bible wasn't written to Americans. Right. And, and, and it's one of those things where we're like, well, of course, of course it wasn't. Like I, like, I get that intellectually, okay? Except we have to understand this as a product of our American citizenship, as a product of being part of a westernized society, as a product of being in a democracy, as a, part, as a product of all that we've known, Every single one of us reads into this story something that the original audience would not hear. Okay, that's so important. I can't even, if if there's one thing that I would just stop and go, hold on a minute, that you cannot take the Bible and just say, this is what it means to me today, and nothing else matters, all right? Because you'll turn it into all kinds of craziness, okay? The first thing we've got to do, me and you, whenever we read the Bible is, what did it mean to the original hearers? What would they have heard? Remember, the original hearers, they did not know about the Bill of Rights. They did not know about the Declaration of Independence. They did not know about Christopher Columbus. They did not know about George Washington. They did not know about the Revolutionary War. They didn't know about any of those things, all right? They were firmly ensconced in their own culture, in their own world. And so it's really important. This is where some of the hard work has to be done in digging through the Bible, is understanding the context to go, what did they hear, right? Because you'll know what we hear as Westerners oftentimes. We hear this parable and we hear, get to work. Get to work. Start producing something. Get to work. Like, don't just sit around, you lazy bum. Like, go and get a return on your investment. Like, there's no stock market in those days, okay? Understand that. They weren't sitting around waiting on the news to see how their retirement portfolio was going. All right? 
We read into things and we're going, oh, you know what this must be about? Keith's going to preach a sermon now on, you, you better, like, God's given you all kinds of stuff, now go and produce things with it. That'd be a cute sermon I've given it before. And that's a great story, it's just not this story. All right? It's important that we dig into this story, all right? And what they would have heard, what, what we would have heard is, oh, man, you have... Uh, we, we hear things through capitalism. We hear things through money. We hear things through peaceful transition of power. And we can fight and argue all we want, but the truth of the matter is, you want to know what? For, for better or for worse, whoever you vote for, when power is exchanged in our country, it's done peacefully for the most part. And I know we take that super for granted. Like, we can't imagine. I mean, could you imagine that? It's like, oh, it's about to be Inauguration Day, and 10,000 people go and storm and kill the president-elect. We would go, what on earth is happening? Because we're not used to that. That's not our culture, all right? Understand, what they hear is something different when they hear about a nobleman going to a far country to become a king, and he tells his slaves, okay? He tells people who, think about it, is this, if, if you're a slave to somebody, you don't have to have any, like, love for them. You're just like, well, I'm your guy. I guess you tell me what to do. I'll, I'll do what you want to do and all that kind of stuff. What they were used to hearing, though, is you're a nobleman, and you're going to go to a faraway country. You want to know what chances are may happen is you've got enemies who are going to kill you on the way. And we can't imagine that. We don't live in that world, okay? We, it blows us away just when we think about the world in the Middle East. And how different it is. We're like, how can, how can that be? Because we, we're, we're insulated. There's nothing. I mean, really the truth is, is, is everyone is in their culture to a certain degree. All right. But we've got to know what did they hear. And it's this idea of you have these guys and he, and, and he comes to them and he said, this is so cool about the parable. He says, I'm going far away. And I'm coming back. Now do my business. Right. And I'm going to give you the means to do it. But here's one of the things I want to really caution us against to read this. The money isn't about what the story's about. All right. And you're going, hold on a minute. Am I the person he gave 10 to or 5 to or 1? Who am I? No, 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 no. Don't, don't get caught up in that. I know in our capitalistic money world, we're like, oh, money. If he gave me three months wages, you know what I could do with that? No, not the point. But there's tension that's built right here in this parable. Okay. This is what's so important. When he tells them, guys, I'm going to give you this money to do my business, and I'm coming back. And here's the question in everyone's mind as you read it. Is he really coming back? He might not come back. We read it like, oh, no, 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 you come back because the Secret Service takes you there, and you come back, and everything's peace. No. No, man. This is, this is dangerous. You're a nobleman going somewhere to be made king. We're talking about power. We're talking about money. We're talking about fame. Nobody wants those things, right? Oh, man, it's like a total barrage. And so they're going, hold on a minute. You're going to give me money. You're going away. And you say you're coming back, but are you coming back? That's the gamble. That's the tension in this parable right here. It's, we can't go past that. The original hearers, there would have been tension at this point of going, hold on a minute, if I was a slave and he gave me three months wages, the question is, are you really coming back? Because that three months wages is going to start meaning something in a minute as he tells the story. Because here's what the guy says. He goes, no, 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 as I'm gone, 
you go do my business, right? You know what that means for them? Okay. You are aligning yourself with him now. It's not just being a slave. It's not just, oh, yeah, I'm just, I don't like that guy. I just work for him. I'll, you know, no, no, no. It's like, no, here's my money. You go do my business now. And what you're going to tell the whole world is you're with me. But what if you don't come back? Your enemies are probably going to want to kill me. <laughs> well, why would I want to align myself with you? Why would I want to do this? This is going to cost me everything to do that. Right? This, is gonna, this isn't just me doing your business. This is you saying, I want you to be loyal to me. Whatever it costs. That's the, that's the tension of this parable. Is Now the slaves have to go, hold on a minute. What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? And then the people, not even the slaves, the people send a delegation out and say, we don't want you to be our ruler. Right? Isn't it amazing how this story almost mimics the ministry of Jesus? Where, where it's not the mean, evil people telling, telling Jesus they don't want to be his follower. It's just the everyday religious person. Well, I don't like that guy because he likes Zacchaeus. I don't like that guy because he didn't give me what I want. I don't like that guy because he didn't make my life easier. I don't like that guy. And you want to know, all of a sudden you're going, oh, wow, okay, Jesus, I'm getting this story a little bit here. The nobleman who goes off to be king, and he says, I'm coming back. Is he really coming back? And he says, here, I, I've got some things for you to do while I'm gone. But are you really coming back? That's the decision. That's the, that's the decision to be made right here, okay? And so you have this idea of, of the noblemen and the slaves and the citizens. But he says something very interesting here, okay? At his return, he became king. He came back. Having received authority to be king, in verse 15, he summoned those slaves he had given the money to so he could find out how much, business, how much they had made in business. Here's an interesting thing. That terminology, the Greek construct right there, having made, how much you have made in business, um, it's a, there's a better translation. How much, how, how, many, how much business have you transacted? You're thinking, well, what's the difference? There's a big difference. Okay. How much money did you make me? What if I just went out and found one investor? I'm like, here's 10. I'll give you 50. You didn't do any business. There was one transaction. All right. But here's the interesting thing as far as the nobleman and the king goes, as far as the allegiance of his people. Does everyone in this community know you're with me? That's why I want you to go out and do business. Because when you're doing business with people one-on-one, -on -one, in my name, everyone's going to know that you're with me. Everyone, I'm not talking about just going to find one super investor, okay, and then going back and hiding, all right? And so the guy, he says, listen, I want to find out how many, how, how much business did you transact? Oh, well, man, there's like 250 transactions I did right here. Man, you saturated this community. They all know you're, hey, buddy, there ain't no going back, <laughs> People that hate me now hate you. That's what people are hearing when they, when they read this parable. Is this idea of, oh, okay, you just aligned yourself with somebody because you've done business. And he says to him, let me see how much. And, and here's the interesting thing is, isn't it easy to get into a productive-based mindset? Because the guy comes up and says, well, I've made you another 10. He doesn't praise his productivity, he praises faithfulness. 
You trusted me. When I said I was coming back, you trusted me. That's huge. You lived in a way that you trusted me that I was coming back. You, you lived in a way. You, you did what I asked you to do even when you didn't know what was going to happen. Isn't that the same with us today? Isn't it so easy in a Christian, even a Christian saturated country because Jesus, you know, if he, is he really coming back? Really? Like, I don't know. And I, don't, I don't know if I've ever thought about like this idea of just, man, I, following him to the point where his enemies become my enemies, where people hate me because they hate him, where people misunderstand me because they misunderstand him. Like a lot of times we want Christianity to be, how come everybody just doesn't like me? You know, we we just got to kind of think through this. So he tells them, but he gets down to this guy right here, okay? And when he says that, here's here's another, this is awesome. I love this, okay? When he said, well done. We've used that so often, right? Don't you want to hear that, man? When I go to heaven, well done, faithful servant. And what we think he's going to mean is you did so many good things. There's a better word, okay, than faith in this term. Okay. The, the better term is this. Instead of well done, the, the idea of that word can certainly mean a trust and a faith. But more accurately, the word allegiance is a better translation Think about this. You've pledged allegiance to me. Well done. You didn't let the world hold. Well done. Because you pledged allegiance to me. You know what we do oftentimes in Christianity? That's what bores us about church. Is we feel like, man, I made it. I had I made the declaration of faith. I'm there. No, dude. We're not talking about a one-time instant. We're talking about people that say, I pledge allegiance to you forever above the whole world. This is this call to radical, really, really radical discipleship, which is like, buddy, follow me, and I pledge allegiance to you more than I pledge allegiance to my professors, my bosses, more than I pledge allegiance, more than those things. When it comes down to it, I'm with you, right? But here's the interesting thing. You get down to this fella down here. He says, listen, though, but he says to the king, uh, here is your mina back because I was scared of you. I kept it hidden away in a cloth because I was afraid of you because you're a tough man. You collect what you didn't deposit and you reap what you didn't sow. Um, here's the Jesus is about to get a guy in something here that is a good lesson for us to learn. You can't out talk Jesus. Sometimes we think that we can come up with these cute little things and Jesus is going to go, oh, that was such a great excuse. He's, Jesus, the, the king here is like, hold, hold up a minute. First of all, if I was some kind of just despot, if I was just some kind of harsh ruler that just hated people and stuff you might have just like flattered me in what you said about me being a tough guy you ever you, you ever done that with somebody you're like oh dude you're so tough what a tough you're such a tough guy i don't want to mess with you you're, you're so strong i wasn't gonna mess with you okay 
Maybe you've never been. But here's the truth of the matter is, 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 you know, think about it in terms of like, you know, whatever, organized crime, mafia or something like this. And you're like, come on, dude, it's time to pay up. No, I would never mess with you. You're a tough guy. Except the king wasn't interested in being, being talked to like he was the mafia. But he's like, hold on a minute. I have a problem with your excuse. If you thought I was really that tough, you'd have gone at least put it in the bank. Don't lie to me. All right, that, that's the thing is, it's so easy for us to lie. No, no, Jesus, no. No, I have my reasons for I'm doing that. No, no, no. Listen, he's going, you don't, if you thought I was as bad as you say I am, you'd have gone to the bank, except there's a problem with you going to the bank. Then the banker knows you're with me. See, that's the problem about going to the bank. You didn't think I was a tough guy. You didn't think I was some, some harsh fella. You thought, listen, you know what? If that guy doesn't come back, I've got money, and I don't have to have his enemies. I don't need anyone knowing I'm with that guy. And I'm going to gamble that he doesn't come back. I don't need anyone to know because it's not what's best for me. It isn't what's best for me, okay? It's this excuse of, man, now here's the funny thing. The parable starts becoming more and more real to like our life at this point, right? Because here's the deal is in, in our country, we don't say Jesus is a tough man. We, we don't say Jesus is horrible. We don't say we don't want to follow him. We, we say the opposite. What we say is you don't mean what you say. That's what we say to Jesus. You don't mean what you say. I'm going to gamble that when you come back, you didn't mean a word you said. When you said, if I don't forgive the way you've forgiven me, I don't believe that. I'm not going to spend any time thinking about that. I got too much going on. Work is too busy. School is too busy. I got too many things. I got to accomplish something here on earth. And and oftentimes in, in, in the type A personality of our world, we want the parable to mean the other thing. Go produce something. Go produce something. Just work harder. And we're going, hold on a minute. The parable doesn't mean that. The parable is, who are you going to pledge allegiance to? That's the point. And a lot of times, we're just like the scared guy. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll go along as far as I can go along without it hurting me long term. Right? So if my boss tells me, like, stop talking so much about this. I mean, I can't afford to lose my job. I'm just going to pipe down. But here's the thing about this. Can somebody take away your allegiance that easily? <laughs> you know, oh, man, I don't want to talk about this too much. I don't want to be too much about this. I want to be very relatable to the world. Except it's funny, as far as Jesus, as far as we know, I don't know how relatable he was to a whole lot of people. I mean, the things that he asked to do were unrelatable. I mean, that's the thing. We, we're striving for something. I don't even know what Jesus was going for. Because when Jesus said something like, hey, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, how relatable is that? Like, like how current is that? How relevant? He would be the least relevant preacher. You're like, he didn't get it. How are you supposed to go pick, you know, your corn with no hands? You know? How are you supposed to cook something with no hands? Jesus, I'm going to go find a different preacher, you know? But the thing about it is he wasn't relevant. He wasn't even trying to be relatable. He was just like, this is what my father says. 
And, and listen, you might not even believe it. You may go on, and in the end, you may go, you want to know what, though? I, I thought you didn't mean what you said. Okay, we're, we're going to be different than the coward who said, well, no, buddy, I thought you were awesome and tough and strong and, and ferocious and all. I thought you were all of those things. We're going to go, but Jesus, I thought you didn't mean that stuff. I didn't think you meant that I had to really live a life worthy of the gospel. I didn't think you really meant to forgive that way. I didn't really think that you meant that I had to really fight for my faith. And I had to seek you first. I didn't think you meant that. I've been going to church every Sunday. I thought that's what you wanted. And it's exactly the scenario that this guy goes in. Because in verse 22, the the king doesn't even dispute him. He just said, okay, I'll I'll judge you by what you said. Is that what you want? I'll judge you by what you said, which is really the idea of, I didn't think you meant what you said. means that Jesus, I'm Lord. Like, I want you around. I'm not going to let you make any decisions for me. I'm not going to let you do any of that stuff. I'm Lord. I didn't think you meant what you said. All right? It's, It's the same Concept, he's like, okay, well, if, if then, then I'm going to judge you the way you want to be judged. You're Lord. So we're going to realize, oh, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything, okay? I'm going to judge you, he said, by what you've said, you evil slave. If you knew I was a tough man collecting what I didn't deposit and reaping what I didn't sow, why didn't you put my money in the bank? And when I returned, I would at least have collected it with interest. So he said to those standing there, take it away from him and give it to the one who has ten. And everybody's like, well, that guy already has a lot, right? But again, it's not, man, this isn't prosperity theology. This isn't how do I make more money. This isn't, this isn't even talking about anything financial necessarily. It's not like God going, oh, there's a poor person. Take their money and give it to a rich person, okay? This is not what that's saying, all right? He's saying, this guy up here, though, he didn't even know that much about me. And I left him in tension. I said, I'm coming back. And I gave him what he needed. And when I came back, you know what? He pledged allegiance to me to everyone in this town. Everyone knows he's with me. He was not ashamed of me. All right? And there's such a transformation because he went from slave, right, to co-heir. He says, you're in charge of 10 towns now. You're in charge of five towns now, right? It's amazing because it paints this entire story of humanity in slavery, right? In humanity that, man, there's no way you're going to get out on your own and do anything. And the king's saying, I'm coming back, and I'm going to give you everything you need. But it comes down to is the tension of, you really coming back? Do you really mean what you said? I don't know if you mean what you said. I, I don't know, and in fact... I'm not even going to spend enough time in my word each day to know. It's interesting. If you take take medication on a regular basis, okay, I take migraine medication each month. I have to get it filled, okay? And and the first thing I do when I get my migraine medication, because it comes in two boxes, and I want to put them both in one box. So I don't, I open it up, and the box is full of instructions. You ever done that? There's like four books in that little box. And I'm like, and and you want to know how many times I've read those? 
Zero. Man, first of all, you can't read them without like a triple dose microscope. To I mean, if there's something in there that could kill you, I couldn't read it because there's about 10 trillion words in the three by five card. Okay, and it's like, you know, just it's, it's craziness. Here's the deal is I trust that my doctor didn't pre- prescribe me something that was going to kill me. Okay, I don't spend time reading it. You want to know what? I got better things to do. All right, I, don't, I have better things to do with my time than to read that. Unfortunately, that's the same philosophy we take with the Word of God. I'm going to trust somebody else. and tell, they, they said all I had to do was pray Jesus into my heart. It don't matter how you live after that. They just said that that's just, you just accept him. I'm going, but that, that isn't how Jesus describes himself at all. He talks about a people who follow him because of his grandeur and his majesty and his greatness and his love and his, his all-powerful Yahweh-ness, right? Is the people going, I pledge allegiance to him. I pledge allegiance to him, and that's the only reason I'm going to do good in my job. And that's the only reason I'm going to be a good student, and that's the only reason I'm going to do what I do as a spouse or as a father or as a husband or as a brother or anything like that. That's the only reason, because I pledge allegiance to God, okay? But no one else gets to override what he tells me. So when he tells me to work at it with all my heart, when he tells me to make every effort, when he tells me to do those things, when, when, when he paints a picture in his word, of his word, for me to ignore it, it's going, I don't, I don't care. I know who you are, Jesus. I don't care to know anything else. And when you come back, I'm going to plead ignorance. How was I supposed to know that? How was I supposed to know that you meant that? How was I supposed to know those things? He's like, it's right here. It's been in front of you in every format, like we were talking about the other day. I mean, we live in a world where you can have somebody read you the Bible. You don't have to read on your own anymore. See, it's becoming a less and less of an opportunity for us to have any excuse. Yeah. <laughs> All right? It's just, it's so minute to go, but now Jesus, I didn't have an iPhone, a smartphone, a means to listen in any way, shape, or form to anything. But I monitored my social media status on a minute-to-minute basis. But how do you expect me to know your word? You know? And, and so that's the thing. Um, pledging allegiance. He wanted to do this last guy wanted to do the bare minimum. What's it going to take when Jesus comes back? What's it going to take when the king comes back to make an excuse to say, but I did this, uh, but, 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 but I did this, right? It's, it's really calling us higher from a bare minimum to a pledge of allegiance to God, to the king, right? Here's what I'd like for us to do. Again, taking a second just on our own and just thinking and praying about that. Right, of, of pledging allegiance to the Father above everyone and everything else, and abandoning any excuses that are keeping us from that. Not the excuse, but I'm a good person, but so-and-so is a good person, but this and that, but all these kind of things. No, 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 no. Have I been in the Word of God to even know who I'm pledging allegiance?